Hey, Night Owls. Welcome to the first episode of 2022. Woo. This is Rachel. <laughs> and I'm Krista. I definitely didn't say what our podcast name was, but if you clicked on it, you know it's Isn't It Past Your Bedtime. And I just got hung up on the fact that this was the first episode of 2022 that I missed yeah. that entirely. The excitement Happy New got... Year, everyone. Yeah, Happy Very New Year. Exciting. Hope everyone had a, a safe and eventful, but not in a bad way, New Year. Yeah, like I want, eventful. I want everyone to have had a fun time. Yes. Good eventful, not bad eventful. <laughs> it's not New Year's yet while we were working, so I have no idea what we've done, but hopefully we too are safe and uneventful in a bad way. <laughs> exactly. Agreed. Agreed. That's all I could ask for in the new year. <laughs> um, so to start off this year, because new year, new us, but same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we are doing debut authors. It seemed kind of fitting, right? Your first yeah. book, it's the first episode of a new year. I kind of like it. Um there's so many out there. Like, honestly, like, oh, yeah. I mean, every author that exists has a debut novel. It's just a matter of whether or not they're good. And I think that some people really nail it and some people do not, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. some people are just like naturally good. And, like, and then for, some yeah. people need to learn a little bit throughout their series. <laughs> yeah. Like as they're going or becoming an author, they're figuring it out. Yeah. agree. But also yeah. I did find that like, I would Google like a debut author and like one would pop up and I would go look to see like, because I always wanted to double check this really is their first I book too. and they'd be like oh they've written eight other books but it's their debut the best ad- one. adult novel but they've been like, oh. a author or something and I was like that's misleading yeah because there's a book I really wanted to read for this and it didn't fit the topic and I was upset that is really upsetting I didn't really run into that when I was looking for mine but now I'm like well I hope this wasn't like one of those situations I don't think so though I'm pretty sure it on the back someone said that it was their first novel so I think we're good okay good um so the one I picked is actually translated from French and was written this year and Amazon already has it in the works to be a motion film and I am very excited about it this was a really good book I've already (laughs) told my fiance everything about it because I loved it so much he got to hear the end and you guys won't it's not super long so I will do my best not to give away anything um you can kind of see it coming I mean like I said it's Mm. a short book but so good so what I um ended up reading and I actually read it because I'm on vacation. So there's no listening. I'm just going to sit and read. <laughs> I read the mad women's ball by Victoria Moss, but like M-A-S like Spanish oh, for more. Mm-hmm. I think it's just Moss though. Um, like I said, it's translated from French. So I apologize if I butcher any words and names because the names and words are written in French and every now and then they do like a reference to like something French, but what's cool is in the back, there's like a little like note section for the footnotes so like sometimes they'll mention a person and they'll put a little one next to it and so I just Mm -hmm. flip to the back and I read who they are there's not a ton of them in the book there's only eight um so it wasn't like overwhelming you know what I mean when the book makes you flip around a lot that sucks but this one it wasn't even inconvenient at all it was really easy to to kind of bounce around and see what was happening so this book is based on Paris's infamous I'm going to totally mess up this hospital name I'm going to really try <laughs> my brain said it at a different time every time I read it too um Salpetrier or Salpetrier hospital I think it's Salpetrier yeah because I was like French-er. I only say the extra re at the end so yeah Salpetrier hospital so basically this hospital is where they keep all the mad women like literally as it sounds. So <clears throat> the hospital is famous for basically being um, where in Paris, people send all of their women with um, neurological ailments, physical ailments, literally anybody that they didn't want to be around from like the 1700s ish, I believe is when this started like the late 1700s, the book is placed in 1885 and about February, March is the most of the book. 
Um, and so within this hospital, what happens is medical advancements. I'm doing that in quotes because it's medical advancements for the time. I don't really see it that way, but that's what this hospital is known for is that they have very famous neurologists who try to treat women's hysteria with things like uh, cold compresses on the ovaries when they have hysterical attacks. Um, hypnosis is currently the thing that they're doing while we are in this story. Um, apparently like this, the hospital, um, about, I think it was about 30 or 40 years before this story takes place had decided let's release all, all of the women. They were like, um, France was basically trying to decide like whether or not they should be part of society or they should be locking people up. You know what I mean? Oh. Cause like some of them are really not mad. They're just, they disobeyed their husbands or some man didn't like what they said, or they were attacked and they have PTSD. And so people don't know how to deal with them. Um, so before this book began, they give you a lot of background about the hospital, but basically at one point they tried to take all the women and let them go out into society and try to be normal, normal, you know, relative, but either way. Um, unfortunately, the people of France did not see it that way because they think a mad woman is always a mad woman. So these women were raped, attacked, murdered. It wasn't good. Um, a lot of the women who are currently in the hospital during this story don't even want to leave. They're like, I feel safe here. Like a lot of them were brutalized by men and then lied to about or attacked in some manner. So they feel safe. They're like we're around a bunch of mad women. I think one of the um, oldest patients there said it like really well. She was just like men, like they, they take their madness and they externalize it and they put it on other people where women internalize it. And then it just becomes like the way that they're dealing with life. Mm -hmm. Like they don't yeah. like none of the women are attacking the other women. Like none of that ever happens. They internalize it. They, they have seizures, they have hysteria, like they have meltdowns basically boils down to PTSD for the most part. But you know, so yeah. that's yeah, what they don't know that then. They don't know that then. Yeah. They're just like, Oh, they convulse every now and then, or every now and then they completely withdraw and don't speak for three days. I'm like, gee, it's because you're a man and you touched her and she's been sexually assaulted. That's why. Yeah. Um, so it's actually really sad because like you do get to know quite a few of the um, women patients throughout the story. Uh, but the primary story is focused around um, Genevieve, who is a nurse that has been at the Salpetrier for over 20 years. So she's the longest standing nurse. She's very respected. She's even been there longer than the doctor, Dr. Charcot, I believe, who is like the head neurologist who is in charge of hypnosis. So Genevieve um, doesn't really see these women as people anymore. She sees them as, she's like, it's just a thing I take care of and make sure that they don't die. Like they, she doesn't really care about their backstories. I guess when she was younger and she had first started at the hospital, um, Genevieve had a, a sister who died young. And so when Genevieve first started at the hospital, she got close to a patient who reminded her of her sister. And she doesn't say exactly what happened, but basically like she learned her lesson. That person was actually crazy. Mm -hmm. And so no longer has any empathy for any of the women. So Genevieve is just like, she's doing her job. She goes in, she, she observes the um, lectures that the doctors give in which they bring a patient in. They put them under hypnosis in front of like 400 other men and then like watch them do weird convulsions because they're trying to heal them, right? They're like, mm -hmm. okay, let's, let's induce this like psychotic state that she is known for and then see how we can take those symptoms and treat them. But <laughs> really they're just, it's just, it's all a show, you know? Yeah. Like, it's entertainment. Like the men come in to like leer at the, at the mad women. Like they literally only refer to them as mad women. I'm not just being like in politically correct. Like they just refer to them as mad women because it's 1885 in an insane asylum. Um, so they have like had famous patients go through this hypnosis before that have ended up escaping. So like I said, you do hear a lot about these patients, but that's 
pretty much what Genevieve's day-to-day is, is she brings the women to these lectures. The women trust her. Um, they talk a lot about how like Genevieve's um, like demeanor and attitude really dictate how the women are going to be that day. Like if Genevieve is like having a good day and she's really focused and she's really attentive and things like all of the women seem more focused or if she's having a day where she's like kind of drifting and like not like kind of like withdraws, like mm-hmm. the women are like that and they feel ungrounded. So like Genevieve really is like a very focal person in this hospital, but the doctors still don't respect her. Like even when she's like, I've seen this thing, I, I have opinions on this. She's still a woman. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) And like, she doesn't really see it that way. Like until later in the book, that kind of her relationship with the way that she sees the doctors really progresses from like her seeing the hypnotist scientists as like gods. Uh, She grew up religious, but felt science was more true to her. Like once she started reading science books, she's like, this makes sense to me. She's like the logic here. And so like, she just like idolizes Dr. Charcot and like everything that's done there, which is part of why she doesn't see the women as people. Mm-hmm. right she's like they're here to better science like that's what they're here for yeah. and then I just make sure they don't die along the way <laughs> um so they get a new patient while Genevieve is there um obviously because she's been there forever so I might call Genevieve the old lady that's what the patients refer to her as because she's been here for so long oh, okay. um so if I say that that's why so a new patient comes in and she is like a fairly high society but she can see ghosts like she, so Eugenia or Eugenie, Eugenia, I think, um, she can see ghosts and she has since she was about 12 years old. She's 19 years old now. And her grandfather has like the one who appears to her the most. Usually she's just like, she can like feel ghosts coming. So like, they'll just like appear mm-hmm. to her and her body will get like tired. Like it's sapping her energy. And then usually she just tells them to go away, except for her grandfather who like, he tells her to find something for her grandmother and that her grandmother will help her. That's what he says to her. And so she finds this pendant that her grandmother had been missing for 20 years. There's no other way she would have known where it was. Yeah. Like they thought it had been stolen, but it had fallen behind the dresser and was like stuck behind a false bottom. Hmm. And so like she finds it. And then her grandmother's like, you need to tell me, like, how did you know this? And her grandfather's like, she'll help you. She'll help you. And so she tells her, I can see him. Like he told me to find it there. And the grandmother tells her dad who decides she's insane. And they already don't like this girl because she kind of pushes boundaries. So like in the, one of the first scenes that you see Eugenia interacting with her family, like she kind of like challenges her father and they don't like that. It's 1885. Right. So Mm -hmm. they like supposedly in France at this time, after the whole debacle of like the hospital having released the mad women and then reopened, um, they're more like selective with who they take in. Right. So like Mm -hmm. women are supposed to not be able, not, they don't have to be afraid anymore about like speaking out, but like, that's pretty much how she, she feels already is like, well, they're just going to throw me in the the hospital if they find out about this for sure, because they already don't like me and my opinions. Like she, she's wanting to like leave home because she can see spirits. Right. So she, Eugenia goes and gets this like spirit book that explains everything to her. She finds this like little bookshop that has this book by like a, a French spiritualist movement. And, um, She's like, wow, I I finally don't feel crazy. And so that's why she tells her grandmother. That's like part of how she feels Mm -hmm. emboldened to tell her grandmother. She's like, I'm not alone. Like, I'm going to go join them. And like, they'll understand me. Yeah. But they just lock her up. Her family locks her up. So. Shouldn't have trusted grandpa. I know. I was like, oh, that sucks. I hope grandpa feels bad. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe he has a plan all along. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was like, this is the path you have to take. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But like, so you feel really bad. So, um, 
Eugenia and is going to Salpetriere and then Genevieve is there. So like finally these two characters collide, right? And that only happens like about a third to a half of the way through the book, honestly, because you get a little bit of background about everybody. Um, I'm obviously not going to give you all the details, but when uh, Eugenia arrives at uh, Salpetriere, the, they are preparing for the ball. So this is kind of where the ball comes in. They touch on it a little bit earlier on, but this is kind of where you hear more about it. Um, so the, there's a mad women's ball that they host, the hospital hosts every year. So they bring in all of these like beautiful ball gowns and costumes for all of the, all of the women to wear for this ball. And people of high society get invited to the hospital to watch them, like to gawk. It's like a freak show. Yeah. I don't love that. Yeah. They're like, oh no, the women love it. It's so that they feel normal. I was like, no, you're doing this so that people in high society can gawk. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I hate it. It's gross. But that is one of the focal points of this book. Like they're talking a lot about how like some, most of the women are excited. Some of the older ones are not interested. Like mm -hmm. um, this one young patient who is there for like, she was assault, uh, she, she was assaulted by her uncle. And then her aunt was like, that's what you get for having boobs basically. And so they locked her up. And so she's there for hardcore PTSD and a doctor takes advantage of her, but she's got her whole story too. So there's a lot of, there's a lot going on here and the ball is definitely a focal point and kind of where the story ends. Um, <clears throat> but while you, so when Eugenia comes to the hospital, obviously Genevieve already has these opinions where she's just like, doesn't, doesn't think anything of the, of the women. Right. And so she, uh, Eugenia is in isolation on the first day and Genevieve's comes to bring her food and Eugenia senses Genevieve's sister in the room. And she like says something and she was like, your sister's name is Blandine and she's got red curly hair. And so she basically just starts like telling her things that Blandine told her because Blandine was like, she will help you. And she's already kind of suspect, right? Because mm -hmm. her grandpa said that and that did not pan out. Yeah. But she's already here. True. What, what more is going to happen at this yeah. point? She's like, there's no way I can get out. My best case is convincing somebody that I am sane and I can actually see ghosts. Although I feel like it could have gone either way. Like Genevieve felt that like if she hadn't said anything about being able to see ghosts that they would have eventually noticed that she was sane. Mm. They're like, there's literally nothing else about you. So like, we probably would have let you go home. But if you say that you can see ghosts, they're going to assume that that's not true. Yeah. Like no matter what you say or do, they're not going to convince you. But um, Eugenia gives Genevieve this information and Genevieve is like shook to her core, right? Like this is completely outside of her belief system. She absolutely believes in science. She does not see any of these women as potentially even being reliable, but like how else could she have known them? Like she told her, like, you've been writing her letters for years and they're under your bed and like a thing. And like, she reads them and like all this stuff. And she's like, there's literally no way she could know that unless she had broken into my apartment. Yeah. Like absolutely no way. So Genevieve basically kind of um, has a crisis of faith where she starts to kind of wonder, like, is this true? She ends up going to like a church trying to kind of find her grounding in all of this, but she knows that she's clearly sane. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so while Genevieve starts to and entrench herself into um, trying to understand like what's going on and how she can help if there is something to be helped, they kind of develop this like unusual relationship between a patient and a nurse because she's not really supposed to be interacting with them and she doesn't normally interact with them, but she starts to believe and want to help Eugenia. Um, so uh, Eugenia's brother is kind of like sympathetic. Like he didn't he was complacent in helping get her to the hospital, but he feels bad about it. So he goes to Genevieve um, after his sister is admitted. And he was like, 
I don't really feel like she's crazy. I'm going to give you this book. It was a spirit book. He brought the spirit book. And so Genevieve reads the spirit book. And after she reads it, she can't sleep. She's just like, oh my God, like this is actually potentially legitimate. Like I believe the logic here. I'm like, you can lay out logic in anything and it could still not be true. But considering mm-hmm. what she's experienced with Eugenia, she was like, I could see that like actually being reality. Yeah. Like she's like, where is the line? Like if you can believe in God, why can't you believe in spirits? Like, you know what I mean? So like, there's just this whole thing. So there's a lot of like a, a faith crisis and like debate going on so like there's some spiritual aspects to this book but ultimately like Genevieve is brought in by Eugenia's story and and tries to help her I'm not going to tell you exactly how all that pans out I'm going to stop here at this point but it was so good the all the characters were great um like I said it, it is pretty brutal um some of the things that happened to the women they do describe them so some some sexual assault definitely um some obvious ptsd going on in this book it was it was kind of heavy just because of the content but it was really good it was a really quick read too like i read it in like i don't know three hours maybe it was oh wow i could not put it down it was great yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna watch the film for sure so five out of five awesome i mean that sounds like a good one it's really good mm-hmm. and i like that it's short too it's always nice i feel like sometimes right. it's really long books and it's like oh i tried so hard but it was so long Right. Like it wasn't too much detail, but it wasn't so short that like there wasn't enough detail mm-hmm. either. Like I felt like yeah. I got to know the characters. Like you really get to see like the insight into like who they are and why they're there. Um, yeah. I just thought it was really interesting. I really loved it. Awesome. The book that I had originally picked out, I ended up reading slash listening to it in its entirety and I didn't like it. And so oh, then no. I changed books. So that's a mini little one was um, it was every, what was it? The other black girl gets two out of five stars. It was just super freaking weird. I didn't like it. So then I changed books. So the book that I actually did for this episode, because I I couldn't talk about that one very much. And also like not much happened in the book. So it would have been a really boring episode, but I switched and it was, I'm glad I did because this next book was so much better. So I read Every Last Fear by Alex Finley. I think that's how you say it, L-A-Y Finley. Yeah. Um, so this one is like, it's a current book. So we're not in the history, we're not back in the day with yours. So it starts out with um, the, their bodies were found on a Tuesday. That's like the first line of the book. And so I already, already. Yeah, instantly I was pulled in. And so what it is, is that this whole family, like it's a mom, a dad, a sister, and the little brother are found dead in like a vacation rental in Mexico. And so they have to go tell the surviving son who's at college at NYU. So that's Matt. So Matt is a surviving son here. And so this like FBI agent like comes and like tells him, and he's like, what? He's like, we've been trying to call you all day, but he had been like at a party the night before and left his coat, which had his phone in it. And he's like, okay, why is the FBI involved? Like, that's weird. And then she's like, and she's like, well, like when Americans die in other countries, like sometimes the FBI just gets involved. And she's like, but uh, but she's also, so it's Sarah Keller, who's the FBI agent. Also, sorry, this is going to be kind of all over the place because the book jumps a lot. Uh, but she works in financial crimes in the FBI. So like a little part of Matt, Matt's brain is like, why is financial crimes FBI person yeah. telling me? But at the same time, he's like, my whole family basically just died. Like this sucks. Got bigger uh, fish to fry than worrying about why the FBI is involved. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, also like, we need to tell your brother. And you're like, okay, so you're not the only surviving son. Like what's going on? And he's like, I don't talk to my brother. Why do I need to do it? So his brother is in prison in Killfish in New York for murder. So we're like, I don't think you figure out who he killed pretty early on. 
Um, it's not really like, it's actually kind of a big important thing. So he ended up, he was convicted of killing his high school girlfriend, like smashing her head and killing her. Oh my um, gosh. And so he's in prison for that, but his, so his family, so the dad and the sister are convinced that he didn't do it. And so like at one point, like you hear like his, um, the recording of his interview when the police arrest him and like basically the police like fed him all the words and he was freshly mm-hmm. 18 he had just turned 18 like two weeks before which is like and this book goes into like all the numbers on it so like he confessed without but he didn't actually do it it's false confession that's some, that's some adnan syed shit right there exactly yeah and so yeah so he confessed but he didn't actually do it well he says he didn't do it the parents are convinced the sister's convinced but a lot of people are also convinced he did do it so like did he do it did he not we don't know kind of depends who you want to believe um but so that's Danny. So Danny is the one in prison and Matt hasn't seen him in seven years. He's been in prison seven, well, jail slash prison seven years. Um, and Matt hasn't seen him since one. He doesn't talk to him because Matt is convinced that he did it. And so he's like, no, you did it. Like, I'm not going to talk to you. And Danny also refuses to let any of his siblings visit him in prison. So the whole family is Evan and Liv are the parents. Um, Danny's the oldest brother. And then it goes Matt. And then there's Maggie. And then Tommy is seven years old. So they found out, the mom found out she was pregnant with Tommy when Danny was arrested. Oh, right. Yeah. And so, but everyone says like, first of all, I was like, that's kind of weird. But everyone is like, he's the one who like saved their family. Like he like gave them all a reason to keep them together. Like, living. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so the FBI takes Matt over to Killfish Prison to tell Danny, which also I thought was weird because the FBI was like, oh, we talked to your aunt and she says that your parents would want to be the one, would want you to be the one to tell him. And I was like, no, they wouldn't. That is a cop's job. Like, yeah, the warden can tell him. The FBI can go tell him. That is weird. So I didn't like. Please that. tell everybody else. Like, they come to your door and they tell you that someone mm-hmm. died. Like, why can't yeah. you just tell this guy? But yeah. So I thought that was weird. And so he goes and he tells him in prison. And like, this is the first time that he's seen him in seven years now. Hi, um, nice to see you. Our parents are dead. Bye. Yeah. Well, because that's the thing. Because Danny like gets let in, and he's like, "Why the fuck are you here?" Like, what the hell? Like, I told dad, I never want to see you. And Matt's like, oh, there was an accident. They're dead in Mexico. Because I think it was a gas leak is what the local police mm-hmm. say. Okay. Um, and but then even that's, there's some questions going Sus. on there. That's suspicious too. And so Matt tells Danny and that's just, that happens. And then Matt has to like drive back and Danny goes back to prison. So it was like, it really didn't feel like it needed to happen. I think maybe that's why like we in- were introduced to Danny and it like kind of mm. told the story because then we know that like evan so evan the dad is obsessed with freeing his son like he is like starting to like because there was also uh, i don't even know how to explain this and what orders to do things so we're gonna go back to the vacation home so how it was found so that it was three days after they missed their flight home or something like that is when the bodies were found because the uh housekeeper or like the um yeah the housekeeper came to clean this vacation rental for the next people and she was the one mm-hmm. who found their bodies Makes and sense. so Tommy's tucked into bed. Maggie is like laying on the bed with her phone. The mom's on the couch reading a book. And then, which like is kind of pretty common for a gas leak. But then the dad is outside and he's like covered in blood. And you're like, uh, that's not yeah. a gas leak. And I'm like, death. okay. If, yeah. I'm like, if it's a gas leak and he got outside, like maybe if there was like so much gas, like, and he really had, maybe he did finally die when he made it outside. But you would think if he made it outside of fresh air in time. He would come to is it like a hotel or like a standalone house it's a standalone house yeah so it's like okay. a, it's kind of like an airbnb type Got one, it. or like an rvo in, in mexico 
but then comes to find out that they decided like a week before this vacation to go on the vacation like it's a very last minute vacation weird and maggie's a senior in high school so they're like okay well maybe this is like her last break like her last vacation before she goes off to college so maybe but at the same time you're like well it's kind of weird and like the the uh rental is like super clean like so are they just clean yeah so you're like okay maybe something's going on maybe not i don't you don't know like it could go either way where you're like okay maybe they're just like super clean freaks really and they wipe, family yeah. yeah they wipe everything down like it could kind of go either way um but then the mexican police there so they're in Tulum in mexico so it's like this tiny little town so they don't have a great police force like it's very small they don't typically have like homicides and deaths and things like that that they're investigating but they won't release the bodies back to america to the fbi or anybody unless a surviving member of the family comes yep. to to get them will be some or whatever yeah yeah which is weird because he's like okay i'll sign whatever paperwork and they're like no it has to be in person that's and so, all weird yeah right so it's a little suspicious you're like whatever so matt has to like as the surviving son like the day after he gets the news has to fly down to Tulum, mexico to go get his family probably like body identification you know what i mean where like mm-hmm. they make you like even though they know that that's the person they make like a, a surviving family member confirm yeah so that's a weird that's kind of all these things are just odd yeah, like, yeah are and odd. that could be one of the reasons we don't really know yet um at the same time a couple of years ago a documentary came out about danny murdering his high school girlfriend and like the entire town that they were in like we were in a town in nebraska is where it happened and like the town hates the family basically ran them out of nebraska so they moved to chicago so then it's also weird it's like why is danny in a prison in new york even though this happened in nebraska yeah it's like the third person he's been in so like that's kind of weird we don't really know what's going on there um and then yeah and so yeah so it's like because also like netflix documentaries like documentary people don't have to get permission from the family to do these things from like the family of the victims and stuff like that so matt also refused to be in the documentary like but they can ask him to be in it but they can't say you can't do it yeah so he had no part in it even though like the dad and like maggie really wanted because maggie was 10 at the time that like all this happened it's like in the documentary she's 12 and like she's like also she's super smart she's been admitted to mit so she's like yeah she's a super smart girl um and so like she's like helping her father so it's like her and father like going through all of these like documents and all these things trying to like prove and then there's this video that pops up of like there's this unknown party goer who like is like like somebody saw somebody in their 20s at the party and maybe he was the one who actually killed her and then there was this like serial killer going around called the smasher and he was like sexually assaulting women and bashing their heads in that tracks yeah and so it's like okay maybe it's her like maybe it's the smasher who ended up being this guy like billy ray something or other but he confessed to like all these other killings. So that way he wouldn't have to get the death penalty, but didn't confess to that one. So you're like, okay, maybe not. Like, does it him? Does it fit? If somebody was already in jail for it, why would you bother to tack it on? Yeah. Also at that point, you're already in jail. There's no reason not. Yeah. Well, he got, yeah, he got found. So like the smasher guy got caught after Charlotte, who's the girlfriend was killed. So like, it could have been him, but yeah, Yeah. but yes, but he doesn't confess to her killing. So we don't really know. So Matt flies down to Mexico. He has like a hundred dollars in his checking account. He has an emergency credit card that his mom got him. So he takes $500 cash out because that's your daily limit. So he has $600 to his name, basically. 
and he flies down to Mexico. The FBI bought him a plane ticket, thankfully. Oh, he wasn't gonna have any money. We broke, yeah. Yeah. And so he goes down and they're like, hey, this like consulate person is gonna pick you up at the airport and take you to Tulum. It's like a two-hour drive from the airport. Person never shows up. And so he like goes to the shuttle, he like texts the FBI agent and is like, hey, like consulate guy never showed up. He like goes to the bus shuttles and he's like, are there any buses available? I gotta get to Tulum. Like, I don't even care if it's uncomfortable. And they're like, I don't know. And he's like, honestly, anything. So he ends up sitting in like the back of a bus with all the luggage on this two-hour drive down to Tulum. Oh, it's a long drive then. Yeah. And so he finally gets there and he goes to the police station and he's like talking to the receptionist woman who doesn't speak any English at all. And he speaks no Spanish. Like he took French in high school too. So like no Spanish at all. And he's like, I'm here. Like I need to talk to like Senor Gonzalez, I think is like the head police officer. I need to talk to him. And she's just like going on and on in Spanish. And he's like, I don't understand. But he had happened to have a magazine because it had got out that his family was killed or something like that. And so he has like a magazine that the FBI agent, or not a magazine, I'm sorry, a newspaper the FBI agent had given him with pictures of his family and pictures of him and Danny. He's like, in case like they need proof that you are who you say you are or something like that. Right. And so he holds it and he's like, like, this is my family. Like, I'm here to come get them. And she's basically, they managed to like, tell him, like, you need to come back tomorrow at 9 a.m. Like, that's when he'll, the officer will be back, but you need to talk to him. And so he's like, okay, like, so he's going to go try to find like a super cheap room if he can. He ends up going to a bar, has a couple of drinks, like meets this woman. Like he has a rough freaking time in Mexico. But like all this time is happening. The book is also jumping from his perspective in the current. And then Sarah Keller, the FBI agent in the current is kind of how we're like oh, figuring out okay. what's going on now. But then we're also jumping back to Evan and Maggie and live in the before. So oh, go, a lot of jumping around. Yeah. So we go to like a week before. Um, and so we get like, we figure out why they decided to make this last minute trip. Was it just a vacation? Was it not? I'm not going to tell you things happen. Uh, we learn about like Evan and Liv's marriage, like their mental health is struggling, understandably. Um, so like a lot of things are coming together and then like the FBI, why you figure out why the FBI isn't even involved in this case. Like why is financial crimes there? You figure it out. Um, the documentary people like come back because they want to make a follow-up documentary and so because they were like some of the feedback that they got like the negative feedback is that they didn't focus at all on charlotte so they want to make another one of who is charlotte and they had like hoped to end the first documentary with danny's pardon which he didn't get his pardon was declined because in nebraska it has to be the nebraska um people who pardon and like it's not just the governor who pardons it's a pardon board so it's three people who have to agree to pardon somebody. Uh, so that was denied. And so they were like, well, yeah, it was kind of a bummer. We were kind of hoping there, but like, we want to do another documentary. And so they go to the FBI and they're like, hey, we found some information. Like, you want to trade? And she's like, I'm the FBI. I'm not going to trade you information. And they're like, fine. Give it to me. They're like, our lawyer says we don't have to give this to you. Because like, as soon as they found out, the, the documented people found out that the family had been murdered, maybe murdered in Mexico, dead in Mexico. They say murdered. They're convinced. That's why I said murder. So the documentary people are convinced it was murder the fbi the mexican police the Tulum police i'm barely convinced it was murder like i they bought gas leak for the first three people but then the guy bloody outside that's not a gas leak there's literally yeah. no way that's they, another human yeah. being interfering they do explain how he why how they think he ended up out there and all the blood and like how they explain it and you're like okay maybe 
I guess maybe you could like pass out and then like hit your face. Well, and if he had enough gas in him, like he would have needed to go to a hospital immediately to like get a blood infusion, probably. Yeah. So like, okay, it kind of makes sense. I could buy it. Um, but also the Tulum Police Force like closes the case like a day after they find the bodies. Like they're so convinced that this is a gas leak that they're not doing any other investigation. So and they're not being helpful with the FBI. Like they're not helping at all. So you're like, okay, so yeah, so the documentary folks are convinced it's murder and so they had sent like their own personal investigator down to mexico like the day they found out within the hour which also kind of sus like you were so ready to send somebody so down. quick and so he found something and so that's where they're like we found something and our lawyer says we don't have to tell you but like we'll tell you but you have to tell us something too like and no so- i'll get a subpoena because i'm the fbi yeah <laughs> but like she's not like the best FBI. She's fine FBI. She's but like I said, she's financial crimes, so she's not out in the field. Yeah. Like she's not doing any of these things. So she was working on a case, which is the only reason that she's like kind of connected to the family. Mm-hmm. Um, because she is like yeah, and like all these you've learned all these things, and I don't want to give anything away because it does all tie together. Like, a lot up in the air, so I'm yeah. interested how it all ties together. Yeah, but like things that they see, like you already know some things. So like what they're seeing, you're like, okay, but that's not right because I know a thing that you don't know. Because I oh, I love time. that though because it's like another part of the story told you some information, and then you mm-hmm. watch another person trying to sort it out, and you're like, you're going the wrong way. Yeah, exactly. And so like the book is like literally building, and we're like present, and like the Ooh. past is like catching up to us. Love it. Um, one of the things I had like an inkling that it might, be, I wasn't confident. I was like, okay, it could be this, but I don't really know. Um, but for the most part, like I didn't really see it coming. Cause it was just so much like, really, that's the direction we're going. Um, huh. Definitely five out of five, like great read. I listened to most of it. Uh, didn't love the narrator, but that's okay. Um, great book. This author has another one coming out in March that I definitely want to read. Like, probably my new one of my new favorite authors if like this is going to be their writing style where they're like doing past and present and like building up like you like that yeah style mm -hmm. and so the like the tension and the intrigue and then it's like I want to know what happens yeah and like so much happened that and like I said like all these like little things that's why I like can't actually like say much and I was all over the place and telling how this book goes because it's just like so many things happen in so many different times and places but I don't want to give any of that away because it all it does all matter eventually but yeah, five out of five, definitely recommend. It was a great nice. Wow, some solid debuts. I know. We'll definitely have to be following up with these authors to see what else they do. Oh yeah, I'm like, I can't wait for the Netflix movie to come out based on my book. Like, I'm super ready. Yeah, I'm gonna go look it up like, after this. Yeah, they're already ready. Like, they're already like, yep, we're doing it. Yeah, it came it. out it's this happening. year. Yeah, like, we're already doing it. That's crazy. Yeah, it's a French bestseller, so you know, kind of okay. nailed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, be sure to come back next episode. Um, we got all kinds of fun things coming up this year. Some fun things. I think they're fun. I mean, we try to keep it interesting. You know, our genres, sometimes they're similar, but often they're different than anything we've ever done before. I've gotten through so many different types of books. Like I know Mm -hmm. we end up still like leaning towards like the crime type books, no matter what genre we end up in, but like, they're still very different. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, Social media is Instagram, isn't it past your bedtime at Twitter, IIPYB underscore pod. You can also check out our website, isn't it past your bedtime.com to see what's in the archive and what's coming up next. Yeah. With that, we'll talk at everyone later. Bye, everyone. Bye.